Hi, welcome to another episode of Coffee with Mirko. It's almost a round number, episode 85. Very happy to have you here. Hope you're well, I hope you're safe. Hope you are caffeinated or you're about to have your first sip or your first cup. Um, today's uh, quite a special episode. Um, just we're gonna have Mario and uh, you, you'll realize why it's a special episode in a matter of minutes once you hear uh, his story and how we met uh, in real life and uh, all the things that he has to share. So he's already in the room, so we'll we'll bring him on right now. Hey, my friend. <laughs> Mario, how are you? Salud. Salud. I'm drinking a cold brew right now. Fantastic. How are um, you, my friend? I'm super well, man. It's super good to see you. Um, you and I know why. Uh, you and I yes. have, a, have some history, and it's incredible that we are right here, right now, where we are. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's anyway, before we get into the story, uh, how are you and how is your family and has everything going with the interesting times? Good, everything's good. Thankfully, everything's been good. Uh, business was slow for like the four months, but now things are starting to pick up again. So, uh, but thankfully, we're all healthy, everything's good. Business is starting again, and uh, thankfully, I'm all good. How about you? How's everything over there? Pretty good, just, you know, um, you know, ticking along, uh, taking a day at a time, um, practicing gratitude because, you know, we, I'm, I'm in a good position in terms of, you know, I'm in a lucky country like Australia, you know very well, how yep. different it is out here. And, uh, yeah, um, you know, counting my lucky stars and just keep keep it coming. It was, you know, business was, you know, we took, we took a big turn um, uh, back in March, but, you know, now, things are slowly picking up, but look, it is what it is. And for me, I was lucky for the lockdown. I started a podcast. I started, you know, uh, yeah. creating more of a coffee community here. So you know, there's lots of positives yeah. in negatives too. So, um, yeah. but um, that's what I always Mario, keep telling myself that it, this has to be the best year. Uh, we have to make it the best year ever. hundred uh, percent. But without further ado, uh, let's start from, uh, Let's start from your story, and that will tell people how, how people at home, how we met, and because you know, I got I got I got memories. Um, yeah. How did you start your coffee journey? Well, I actually started my coffee journey a little bit before I met you. Uh, before I went to live to Australia, uh, I, I actually had a small coffee shop with my family, and that's where I started to fall in love with coffee. I, I liked coffee a lot. I, I taught myself like about espresso extraction. Uh, I was reading books. And then I got a scholarship to study civil engineering in Australia. And that's where, where I landed up in Melbourne. And of course, I was a student, so I had to work. Uh, and then I started working in the groove train in Melbourne Central. And that's where I met you. So I was the, I wanted to work in the kitchen and I was the, the dishwasher. <laughs> I know, I remember. Professional, professional dishwasher. 
And, and that, was, that was cool because I remember because I had experience in coffee. I remember that sometimes they asked me, the guys in the kitchen, hey, Mario, can you go make me a coffee? You make good coffee. But they didn't know it was because I had experience. And then I remember when I got like a couple of shifts in as a barista or outside, uh, I was extremely happy. So actually Melbourne for me was really part of my life uh, to making me fall in love with coffee more. So when I came back home, I decided to go all in, leave everything else behind and just focus on coffee. Yeah. And yeah. And where is home for, for the people at home? Oh yeah, for sure. I'm actually from Ecuador. I'm living in Guayaquil, which is the, it's not the capital, but it is the, the, the biggest city in population and in business. So it's, it's funny that uh, we actually know each other from 2011. Can you believe it? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's for the people, for, for the kids at home. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy because I actually remember, uh, you know, those days I was, uh, back then my coffee career just started and um, mm -hmm. more or less, and I was just on a student visa working long hours i was doing you know 60 70 hours a week uh you know hustle yeah. hustle just because you know you 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 know technically i was allowed to work 20 hours so let's let's put it out there um but you know how it is and um and yeah it was it was just a, a interesting time there's a lot of work and i remember me and you having interactions and I was listening to you and you were always asking questions around coffee as well. And, and you know, you're like, I love, this is, I love coffee. But I didn't put the dots together. Like I was like, oh, you know, like he likes coffee. And, and God, I was doing a bad job back then with coffee. Because um, <laughs> coffee, wasn't, coffee wasn't the centerpiece. It was more about moving cash. It was about, you know, making cocktails and sells alcohol and, and, and upselling, cross-selling and, uh, Selling food. Food was a big thing back then. Um, yeah. But it was a good experience. I remember still, you know, you know, people like Dylan. <laughs> Is that a cerveza, Gary? <laughs> um, it looks like a cerveza, but it's a cold brew. This is my, my <laughs> brand back home. Uh, funny, Gary. Um, yeah, so we were like beyond the bar. I remember me, Dylan, the American guy, who just playing around, like opening caps of beer and kicking them with the bottle opener it was, it was a good time and then like you said it's yeah. incredible like nine years later you are you know full in into coffee i believe that you flew to italy to form yourself but for me the most fascinating part of this aside from the fact that you and i met and we just took you know certain paths of lives is that you were like hey i'm gonna become an engineer uh, and something happened and you were like, nah, I'm, you know, thank you very much, mom and dad, or thank you very much, university. I'm following cough. Like, how difficult was you doing that process and sort of like, you know, drop everything and it was, go with the flow? I'm going to sound, my answer is going to be a little bit confusing, but it was no. extremely hard and at the same time, extremely easy. It was extremely hard because everyone didn't understand what I was doing. Nobody, everybody was asking me like, what the hell are you doing? Why, why are you going to work in coffee? Uh, what can you do in coffee? What's there to do in coffee? And I got a lot of, uh, right now everyone's like, oh my God, you're so cool. 
you know a lot about coffee. I can't believe you. You're a, a trailblazer in coffee. But it was, it, I mean, I've been in coffee like a little bit over 10 years. And I would say probably my first seven years, nobody understood what I was doing. Nobody knew why I wanted to work in coffee. That was the hard part. But the easy part was that I was extremely convinced that there was nothing else that I wanted to do in life. Nothing, nothing, no one was going to take me out of my path. And that's still how I feel today. It's amazing. I think, I think it just goes to show that uh, truly will, willpower is just so po powerful. You know, it's like that, that strong sense of wanting something. Um, and, and the way you did it, you know, like you defeat all the, all the odds. I mean, like, like we were saying at the beginning, you know, like, we don't respect for, for, for what we were doing, but you know, you and I started really at the real, real bottom. Like, and, and many people, many people don't hear that part of the story, you know, like you hear winning the World Barista Championship, you hear, you know, roasting awards, you hear pharma words, you hear about degrees. Yeah. Really, you and I started from the bottom. I remember, you know, big Friday nights where, you know, you had piles of dishes to, you know, hand wash. And, and, yeah, and, and, you know, like, the pay was what it was without, you know, obviously putting anybody into awkward situations. But, you know, it was pretty – it was good for maybe you and I for, you know, compared to maybe our countries. Well, not really even for me, to be honest. But we yeah. started from the bottom, and, and now you are where you are. So speaking of which, to give some context, what, what are you currently doing um, at the moment? Well, I'm actually doing a lot of things. Like uh, after I came back to my country of Ecuador after Australia, I finished my degree. So I'm actually a civil engineer, but I don't I don't work in engineering. <laughs> uh, I started working in a big roasting company where I, I started learning. I started teaching. I started roasting. I started cupping. And then eventually in 2016, I won the, the National Barista Championship. So I actually went to the 2017 uh, World Barista Championship in Seoul. And, well, I didn't do great, but one of my goals is to eventually go back and at, at least be a finalist or maybe win it. But more than that, uh, I've actually gotten a lot of accomplishments in coffee. For example, I'm a, I'm a Q Arabica grader. I'm a Q Robusta grader. I'm also a Q processing professional. Uh, I did a master's degree in coffee, which I actually did in Trieste, which is your hometown. And I remember, not fun, not fun, but yeah. I remember that, no, I love Trieste, but I remember that when I, when I looked at the master's degree and I saw Trieste, I was like, I've heard this somewhere before. And then I remember that I was with you. You told me like, hey, I, I'm, I'm from Italy, I'm from Trieste, but I didn't know where Trieste was. <laughs> Look, to, to be just because I like, technically I'm from Trento, which is not far from Trieste, and the word is very similar, but still super close, my friend, super close, close. to me. And uh, oh, like, Trento, like yeah. it's, still, it's still close to my heart. And uh, no, uh, yeah, I know, you went, I remember I saw you on Facebook, and I'm like, wow, this guy is in Italy, all the way from Ecuador, he was in Melbourne. Now he's all the way to Italy learning about coffee. Crazy. No, yeah, for sure. And and right now I'm actually, I have a, a school, a coffee school over here in my city. And I also have a, a, a specialty coffee brand. 
And well, I do a, a little bit of everything, no? My, my place, I, what I want to do is keep growing the coffee culture in my country. Uh, also make my country a little bit more known that it's a, it's a good origin. For example, it's just starting, people are just starting to see how good coffee is from here. For example, just last month, Ona Coffee got uh, some micro lots from Ecuador, which were really great. So yeah, things are starting to change little by little. It's so good to hear. And I want to touch base on Ecuador in a minute, um, just because I'm, I'm very interested uh, around that. What I just wanted to, to sort of say is that usually when I talk to my guests, I sort of like to ask the questions, you know, like, because coffee has a thousand faces, you know, like not just behind the coffee, but even in terms of the opportunities you can do. You can, you can be a farmer, you can be a producer, a green bean buyer, barista, competitor, so many different little jobs, uh, social media, um, blogging, whatever. What I grasp from you is that I don't think that you have a specific passion. You just love coffee and everything that comes with it. You know, it's like, it's like you're a robusta key grader, arabica key grader, you compete, uh, but not because... I just think that you're fueled and charged by this truly uh, love for the entire the entire uh, thing, you know, the entire yeah. uh, coffee. That's actually true, and and you know, I, I actually do a little bit of everything, and like you said, I actually love everything. I love being a barista. I love being a teacher. I love being. A, a Q grader. I don't have a farm, but I would love to own a farm, but I do know how to work them. I've been to some of them. I've done some processing. I really love the whole aspect of it, the community, the traveling, even competition. Like for example, I'm not competing now, but I trained the National Brewers uh, champion from last year, and we were actually going to go to Melbourne for the, World <laughs> Barista, for the World Brewers Cup, but everything got canceled because of COVID. So we'll see when I'll, when I'll be back. But when I'll be back, we'll for sure have a, a good cup of coffee with you. Uh, 100%. Um, and look, going back to sort of, you know, what we were saying is maybe, I don't know, but how, um, how far is from you, let's say, that you, you know, jump on your car or your motorbike or whatever you drive, uh, how far is the first coffee farm from where you live? Okay. Uh, I live in the, near the coast. So there's a Robusta Farms around 40 minutes away by car. And there's Arabica Farms. Uh, the closest one is probably two and a half hours away. And so it's pretty close. It's a small country. And just uh, driving anywhere from two to seven hours, you can get to, to really good farms. Because I, I, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of, you know, in a romantic way, I kind of like to think that because Ecuador is so compacted. Maybe that's why you love the whole lot instead, like because because everything is sort of a reach for you in the sense of you know you don't live in a super humongous country where you know you're far and detached from farm or detached from business or whatever. It's just sort of like I don't know. I kind of like the idea of the fact that. Also, because of the closeness, you're so attached. I mean, and let's talk about Ecuador, you know. 
what's the culture like and, and is coffee a central part of life and how is it at farm? And uh, yeah, anyway, you, you know more. Yeah, well, Ecuador, well, we've been a producing country for a long time. Uh, we've actually uh, started producing less coffee in the last 10 years. For example, around 20 years ago, Ecuador was producing 2 million bags. Now we're producing like 250,000, which is almost nothing. But things are starting to pick up again. So we're starting to, to get a little bit more of a coffee culture. Uh, people are getting more interested in coffee. There's, a new, there's new coffee shops, new coffee brands. And things are starting to pick up, but it's a long way. It's no Melbourne, it's no uh, Japan, Tokyo. But we're getting there slowly, slowly but surely. Yeah, it's good. And, and how is, in terms of like, life there in terms of like you know the <clears throat> the people there is coffee you know something that people are obsessed with something that you know it's like a central part of life is it you know do they drink a lot of coffee because i can't travel at the moment so i want to travel with you so to speak yeah. to understand more yeah for sure well coffee here uh, there's a big coffee shop that's kind of like the starbucks or the gloria jeans which is called Sweet and Coffee. They actually have over a hundred uh, coffee shops. And over here, coffee is like a really social drink. I know it, in most of the world, it's a social drink, but over here, people really love to sit down, have a coffee with something to eat, maybe like a cake or a dessert, and basically just uh, talk. For example, in Italy, it's mostly like, you know, have an espresso, drink it fast and go. And in, in Australia, it's almost like that as well. But over here, it's more of like, you know, you sit down with friends, you sit down on a date or whatever, and you just stay there for maybe even hours. Because it, it is like a really common social uh, excuse to gather uh, with people. Uh, but slowly, people are starting to consider more the specialty side of it. Like, we're just starting to, to get accustomed to it and try new things. So things are picking up as well. And, and what about, I kind of want to a little bit dig deeper, what about the, you know, you know, the abuelitas, you know, is it, what about at home, you know, like, 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 is it, is it like at home in Italy? Because, you know, in Italy is, uh, I remember always my family, you know, it's like, uh, I wasn't drinking coffee back then, but, you know, end of every meal, it's like, you know, depending on how many people in the room, it's like, cafe, 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 and it's like, okay, it's six, I need to pour a mocha pot for six, then I'll grab yeah. the big one. Yeah. Like, like how does, how is it, you know, do you have any childhood memories around coffee and how is it the home consumption side of things in terms of, you know, the, you know how it is? Yeah, no, for sure. And actually I do have a lot of coffee memories and with my grandma as well, like you said, like abuelita, but over here, I think it's a, more of a morning drink, especially mm. like old school. So people drink it a lot in breakfast. So if you're having breakfast with your, your grandma or your family, you will usually have a cup of coffee. And the way they brew it over here traditionally, things are starting to change. People are starting to buy espresso machines or doing V60s or French press. But before, like when I was a kid, I'm 32 now, so probably like 25, 26 years ago, people, they either did uh, instant coffee, which I know it's not the best, but there's a lot of instant coffee here. And, and they also do, I don't know if you've seen kind of like a sock, like we call it here a chuspa. 
I don't know. Let me see if I find one. You know, like the sock that you is basically I've like seen a filter. It. Yeah. Yeah. So we do that one as well. So people usually, you know, put like really fine coffee and they just make like a concentrated drink, uh, and then they just mix it with water or milk. So yeah, it's it's it, it does have like a little tradition over here. That's love it. Really I love uh -huh. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting because you know sometimes to understand where we are, we need to go back to understand how we got here. You know, because you know there's a reason why you know, for example, you know Melbourne or Australia, people sit on one drink for longer than Italy, for example. You know, they ask extra hot latte flat. Why? Because they want to enjoy that, but then. The opposite happens with food. We're here, you know, it's starting to change, but here is quite the opposite. Like they sit longer on coffee, but they sit or don't sit at all with food and it's a takeaway, so to speak, or eat fast to go back to work. Um, yeah. Where in Italy is the opposite. I remember when I was, I got my first office jobs, it was like, you know, lunch, we would sit down and have two courses plus dessert and we sit down for an hour, like, like, the lunch break is long in Italy because we have much more of a slow food kind of culture. So I think that culturally we're so entangled with how we grow up and it impacts as well the way we drink coffee, how we drink it. Um, we recently had a global coffee table virtually and it was beautiful. And uh, we were discussing um, we we're discussing at some stage with Ann Cooper. Uh, she used a particular word, but basically the cultural differences of our palates because, for example, you know, I don't know how strawberries taste in Ecuador, if you have any, but compared yeah. to Italy, compared to Australia, and, uh, you know, that already changes, or I'm sure you have certain type of tropical fruit that I never tasted before. Therefore, uh -huh. our palates, you know, even our palates are influenced by our culture, which is super interesting. So thanks for sharing the Ecuador style uh, coffee. Um, and, and in terms of farms, uh, you mentioned that Ona started to buy some micro lots. Um, what, how is coffee? Uh, what sort of coffee varieties and what, what do you, what do you love the most about coffee from Ecuador? Uh, well, it's actually a really, it has a lot of potential. For example, uh, over here is where we developed the Sidra variety, which is uh, world famous now. So, you know, it's, it's won a lot of championships, uh, prizes. So it, it was actually developed here in a, in a lab. So it's the, the Sidra variety. It's actually from Ecuador. We also have Tipica, we have Bourbon, Caturra. So what's really interesting, if you see like the history of the varieties, is that Ecuador has a lot of like really good quality varieties. For example, we have uh, the Tipicas, we have the Bourbons, we have the Sidra, we have Tipica Mejorado, which is like a better uh, Tipica variety. In comparison to, for example, Colombia, which they took all of those varieties because they were susceptible to disease, and then they changed it for Castillos or Tavis, which are good, but they're not as good as maybe like a, 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 a Tipica or a Sidra. Of course, we have less productivity, but it's higher quality. So it's actually, it's really cool because for example, Ju Young has come to Ecuador. I've seen her over here 
and she buys uh, coffee for the championships in here in Ecuador. Uh, Juan Peña, I don't know if you've heard of him. He's won for two years straight, uh, best coffee producer uh, in the world, supposedly, in the Sprudge Award Show. And you're seeing Sasha Sestik, he came last year. So Ecuador is starting to finally get its place. People are starting to wake up to, to see the potential. And not only that, but also we have, uh, I don't know if you, Mirko, if you've ever had a good Robusta. We've had, we actually have really good Robustas. Uh, for example, the, the person I coached to win the Brewers Cup, he was the first person in the world to win a national championship with a Robusta coffee. Uh, wow. I, I mean, I haven't, but I, again, I, I don't discriminate uh, in the sense of like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just never had that experience, I suppose. So I, I, yeah. I actually don't think, aside from Italy, because I started drinking coffee just in Australia. I never drank coffee in Italy. And when I went back a couple of years ago, I drank a few, you know, espressos here and there. So that was my first probably robust I've ever drunk in my life because here in Melbourne, it's it's actually quite hard because I don't go to sit like you know it's it's hard for me to find a spot where I could drink a high quality robusta but I'll be very interested to try for sure and and yeah. how does it make you feel you know as an Ecuador you know Ecuadoreño uh, you know like 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 the fact that Ecuador is coming into the zone and under the spotlight like you must be super proud. Yes, I'm super proud. I think it's it's time we need that because we are dependent on on you know getting people. Uh, I don't know if it happens in I I know it happens in other countries, but over here we're always looking for that approval from outside. You know, I I am trying to change that mentality because I do want our people to be proud of our professionals of our coffee, but there's still like you know like a lot of history of people wanting. Oh, in Australia they said it was good. In Japan, they said it was good. Uh, so it's good that we have that and people start to recognize Ecuadorian coffee. But I, I would also like for Ecuadorians to consume that coffee as well. As, as much as I am proud of having our coffees everywhere in the world, in the best coffee shops, I would be just as proud if we also consumed it here, which I think is even slightly harder. I get you. Yeah, I mean... That's, I think we go back to, to the, the culture aspect in the sense of, you know, I think it's a, as usual, you know, it's a slow process. You know, I think, you know, for example, right now, um, if you ask even in Melbourne, a lot of people about filter coffee, you know, they might turn around and say, well, no, I drink Mokona, which you might know what it is, you know, so, you know soluble uh, instant coffee. Um, yeah. I, I think though, in a hundred years' time, more and more people will be able to like, oh yeah, you know, like, of course, V60, of course, Chemex, uh, um, depending on the country. So I think it's a, it's a slow process and each country will have, you know, the, its challenges. For instance, in Italy, you live there, uh, you know it, like in Italy, the biggest challenge is that I love my people and I love my country, but we're very stubborn. You know, it's like, you know, it's like we are the best in everything, yeah. which is like, yeah, look, like we, 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 we obviously, obviously I'm generalizing, uh, but yeah. 
we do make good products in certain industries, sure. But, you know, when it comes to coffee, we got to admit that, you know, maybe we got good hospitality, good service, good flow. But the coffee is bitter. There's nothing wrong with bitter. I get it. But, it, you know, when my parents visited here last time, it took me so long to explain them that if you need sugar in it to drink it, it can't be that good, really. Like, yeah. like if you need two or three teaspoons of sugar to make it drinkable, well, and in fact, after it took me four weeks to actually get my father into uh, single, it's not about single origin, but eventually coffee after coffee after coffee is like, well, actually, I don't need sugar here. This is really tasty. I was like, that's good. It took me four weeks and it's my dad, but my mom, you know, she would just like go back home and make herself a mocha pot with Illy, which is nothing wrong again. So I think it's just a process. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. It's cultural as well. That's what they've drank like all their life. So it's hard to like take that away from them. 100%. Um, uh, Mario just looked up the clock and I can't believe it's already halfway through. So at the halfway mark, we always ask a, a ritual question. Uh, it's the out-of-the-box question. Um, if you could, uh, who would you like to have dinner with? And it can be anybody in the world. It doesn't have to be coffee. It's your dinner. It's your guest. Perfect. That's actually a really great question, and I, I do have an answer. I don't know if you've heard of the, the philosopher Alan Watts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I would love to talk to that guy. That guy just soothes my soul with his teachings and his mentality and his way to life. I would yeah. love to pick his head and just talk to him about everything. Yes, um, the there's I know only one of his uh, like uh, what they call uh, the farmer. The farmer one is beautiful. I remember the, Chinese the, and the farmer. The Chinese yeah, farmer. the Chinese farmer. Yeah. Yeah, the Chinese farmer is definitely, yeah, I had to stop now uh, because, yeah, it, 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 it's a good reminder. I think I'm going to listen to it after this. And for the people at home re-listening to this as a podcast, just go on YouTube, The Chinese Farmer by Alan Watts. It's a, an incredibly short story. And God, I haven't heard it. Yeah, it puts, it really puts life in perspective yeah yeah um good answer um i forgot about the story i should go and re-listen to it okay um all right and you should, uh, okay you should dive into a little bit more of him you'll see that he's got a lot of things just as good yeah i'm sure yeah no i'm sure of that uh cool yeah now now i'm in the thinking mode of <laughs> That's a great answer, you know, nobody has said it before this these episodes. Um, yeah. Okay, so another thing that um, I got back on my train of thought, another thing that I really, that really fascinates me about you is that you could have probably with your connections, with your skills, you could have picked a country in the world and become a coffee professional there maybe for a little bit more money or, or much more money. Uh, and yet you decided to, now I'm going to be like setting myself shop here in Ecuador. I want to help Ecuador. I think that's super admirable 
there's nothing wrong going out of the countries, but I think it's super interesting. So I kind of want to dig, dig deeper in this matter with you. Why did you choose Ecuador? And obviously you chose the harder, the, 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 the hardest of options, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And it's actually, I, I actually love the, the work you put into this podcast and in like reaching and really getting subjects that most people don't even realize. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, and and thank you for that. Uh, it's actually it was actually the hardest choice. Uh, it is a reality that over here you probably win much less money than than even being a dishwasher in Australia. But it's not just that. It's it's not just the money. It's the the work. I always told myself I want to be a world class uh, coffee professional. I want to take my country to the next level. I know it's not a one man. A show, but you do need people that want to change, want to make a change in, in the world, make a change in your country. And I always said to myself, if it's not me, then who? So I think I am, thankfully, I've known a lot of coffee professionals. I've traveled uh, around the world. Coffee has taken me around the world. Uh, I'm friends with really big, important coffee people. But I wouldn't change it for a thing. I, I love working here. I think there's a lot of work to do. And I think my impact here would be much greater than if I, even though I would love to go back to Australia, uh, I think my, my work here is going to be much more important. Yeah, you have a strong sense of purpose. And I think the most important word that you use is that you want to have an impact, which is, which is super cool because, you know, you know, you you got the English skills. You, like like you said, you could very easily. I know that. Like yeah, you could very easily find a good position. Like you know, there will probably be plenty of coffee roasters around the world between states, Europe or Australia, wanting to you know have you on board because you might be you know a connecting uh, role. You could be you know a bit of green bean buying as well as you know maybe training or you know. Like you could really be an important figure, but I think that your strength, your strong sense of purpose to say, "No, I want to be someone to contribute towards the growth of Ecuador." It's super admirable, honorable, and yeah, I really respect that. I really respect that, hundred percent. Thank you, thank you, Mirko. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll keep doing my work. That's all I can do. Keep working. Yeah, yeah, and there's, you know, obviously other peoples around the world, you know, I think about Raul in El Salvador, you know, where, you know, they're like, well, you know, obviously this is a coffee producer, but still I love to see that people are, you know, entangled, but in a good way, truly connected with their land as well. I think you really must have a sense of belonging in Ecuador as well, which is a contributing factor to say, no, 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 no. Uh, this is home, and this is this is where and for who I want to work is for my people, and it's beautiful. Um, speaking of people, people is the number one factor around coffee. Uh, in any direction you look, there's people up, down, left, right, in front, behind. It's people. Whereas having coffee with people, where is the people behind? Uh, the roasted coffee, but the people that I want to talk about is the people of Ecuador when it comes to coffee farming. Tell, tell us a bit more about, 
you know, the conditions or, you know, what happens is, is a more seasonal work or is it more, uh, you know, like how it's, I know it's always seasonal work, but how does that look like that farm life and how is important for the rest of the world? Because your message is to spread the Ecuador message. You know, you're the news reporter of Ecuador's coffee to the world so that people can respect even more the work that goes behind each cup of coffee. Yeah, for sure. Well, over here in Ecuador, most of our coffee farmers are, are small coffee farmers. Uh, they usually employ a lot of people around the neighborhoods. So it's a lot of social work. It's a lot of uh, what I really love is especially the bigger farms, which are not that big. For example, a big farm here in Ecuador is probably going to be like 20 hectares. Whereas in, in Colombia or in Brazil, it would be 200, 500 hectares. Uh, but over here, the big farms, which are like 20, 30 hectares, uh, I really love the work they do because they employ people from around the neighborhood. They build schools. Uh, they really put a lot of, of, of resources in training them and giving them an opportunity. Of course, uh, they do like a, a fair wage. And you don't see, for example, I went to Central America and I didn't, I, there's one thing that I didn't like, of course I'm generalizing, but I did see a little bit of like child labor and over here, it's, uh, you don't see that too often or if not, probably, I haven't seen it yet. Ho hopefully I don't, but I do think like people are starting to get more involved. Uh, people are really starting to get proud. For example, we had, we, we were starting to have a problem that the younger generations didn't want to continue the work in the farms. They want to go to the city. They want to have a business. But now people are starting again to, to find that joy in, in being in, in the fields and in, in staying home, staying in the Amazon, in the mountains, in the coast. So I, there is like a shift that's starting to, to happen. So I think it's, like you said, it's honorable. And, and that's the work we do. Even if you're a barista or a roaster, you're making people conscious about coffee and that translates back to the farmers and back to the people that really need the most help. Thank you. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And it's not about generalizing. I think it's about, you know, there's a lot of big elephants in every room and uh, sometimes we just need to say them and, you know, say it out loud is a bit scary, but um, you know, if we don't, hear it we don't know it so if we yeah. hear it it's our choice to turn a blind eye or to actually do something about it or at least acknowledge it um so now thank you for sharing what you witnessed because you know most people in australia uh, they will never go to origin yeah like, like that's the reality and and not just the people who like i'm talking about people in the industry like I know a lot of baristas who want to go to origin, but they don't go to opportunity. So, you know, it's important that, you know, share what you have to share. And um, when it comes to, to work, because it's a smaller farm, as you were saying, is a sort of a reality where both producer farmers as well as pickers uh, have more than two, three jobs, like, like or do, do they do something else with the land? Uh, well, in, over here, they do have to have uh, another source of income because like you said, it's seasonal. So like the pickers, for example, they will only be working for three, four months. 
but the the cool thing is that it's starting to happen that the the bigger farms are giving pickers jobs and those pickers are starting to make their own coffee farms so now they're starting to work on their own coffee so that's kind of like their job for the rest of the year you know taking care of their own coffee farm that they help out picking the coffee in the bigger farms but they still have an extra income because they have their own coffee farms and they sell the coffee and now they know what's good, what's bad, what to pick, what not to pick, how to dry it, how to process it. So it is like a, like a domino effect that's actually positive. Fantastic. And, and in terms of the actual farmer with the, because obviously if it's a small farm, do they usually have, you know, obviously a secondary type of income and what does that look like usually? Is it like a second job or they do something else with the land? Uh, well, I know most farmers, they're actually uh, almost 100% in coffee. So actually, that's kind of a good thing. Uh, some of them, especially the ones that are more famous or have gotten have been more successful in selling their coffee, they're starting to venture more into other territories in coffee as well. For example, some of them have a lab. I know uh, another guy that invested in a, in a roasting machine like a big one, good one. So they're starting to become entrepreneurs, uh, not only focusing on the farming, but also on the quality control. Maybe they have a small coffee brand uh, or maybe they just roast for people. So they are starting to do more things, but in coffee. And then to the really, really small producer that uh, maybe is not ready to be an entrepreneur or needs to pick up a little bit more of, of maybe like a, a, an income, Sometimes they do have other uh, products in the farm. For example, in Robusta Farms, they also have cacao, which in Ecuador, it's really famous for its cacao beans and its chocolate. Uh, so sometimes they do have other crops and they tend to them as well for the rest of the year. Thank you. I think that's, that, that puts things in perspective because, you know, harvesting, maintaining, picking season, it's hard work, you know, like... It's, it's harder work than washing dishes or being a waiter at, uh, at the shop that you and I met. Uh, you know, it's, and the fact that they might have to also take care of other plants or other products, it's just yeah. not only showcase how hard they work, but also it's actually difficult mentally. They need to have a certain knowledge about the plants. You know, they need to know what, what's right, what's wrong. So I think it's, it's super it's superlative. It's just amazing to to hear these stories for sure, and uh, we should be all appreciative of it. Uh, thank you, thank you. I think we kind of rounded up a little bit about Ecuador, and I, and I like to ask this question. Kind of want to you know, turn back on, on to you and zoom in to you. You know, you, you mentioned that you have a few things going on, but, yeah. and I know that you love the whole coffee thing. But is it training? what you love the most or if you had to pick one thing that you you know that you have to do for the rest of your life just one thing what would it be in coffee just one thing in coffee well i'm actually uh, falling in love with edu education so giving people uh, teaching them about coffee and i think it's also like an easy answer because as i teach them of course i i have to cop visit farms so I, I can still do all those things but I think education is important because uh, 
you not only have to be a good coffee professional, but you have to be a good teaching professional. So it's like a double work. And I think that's probably what I would like to do the most if I had to pick one thing is to keep teaching people about coffee and how to make it and how it, how it starts and all of this. That's beautiful. And, and it, it's pretty, it's actually really crazy if you think about it because, you know, my question is going here is, I think a lot of the times, um, a lot of people find themselves stuck. Uh, they started to become a lawyer, an engineer, uh, um, uh, a doctor, um, but they might have chose that to please their parents because of pressure, because of society, many reasons. And I have respect for, for, for those people because, you know, not everyone is lucky like me where my mom asks me if I'm happy, she's happy. So I'm very lucky, yeah. uh, very privileged. But for you, what, what you got to say to the people who are where you were before studying engineering, you thought, okay, this is where I'm going. Because now we can fast forward nine years later and you're so in the coffee, which is crazy. Like, it, yeah. it, you didn't go from engineer to architect. You went from engineer to coffee. work <laughs> your feet, coffee, like a, a farm, like, um, you know, it, how rewarding is to see that the hard choice has actually paid off in terms of happiness currency oh it's it's immeasurable it's immeasurable and i always tell people uh, like my my story in coffee i know we we've only had an hour to talk but it's actually uh, a lot of people i've i've inspired a lot of people and i don't mean that in like a pretentious way it's like Literally, people write to me once or twice a day from not, not only my country, but from other countries. They're like, Mario, I love what you do. I, how do I do like what you're doing? I always tell them, you have to make a choice. You have to. Happiness is not an end goal. It's a way of life. And you're going to have to work anyways. Even if it's something, you better do something that you like rather than work in something that you don't like because it'll make it easier. It, it'll be like Alan Watts would say, like make work play. So I feel like I'm playing. I feel like I'm in a playground. I feel like I'm happy. I can work here 18 hours a day uh, and, and I don't feel like I'm working. So I think people have to do what they really want to do. And that's another one that I got for you. You should watch uh, an Alan Watts video. It's called, What If Money Was No Object? So that's actually a really good video and we can talk about it later, but he basically says, what would you do if money was no object? So if money didn't matter, what would you like to do? Would you want to be a painter, a writer, a barista? And then he says, well, you do that. And I think that's what people should do. People should do what they want to do because that's the only way we can process and, and get more like love in the world and and do things right. I think when you start to cut people's uh, will to like do something great, uh, that's when you start seeing problems and people are maybe depressed or they're not ex entirely happy. Uh, so I think it's good to go all in. I like it. <clears throat> and I think to add to that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think, um, you know, 
obviously there's certain parts of the world that they don't have a choice or an option so obviously we're yeah. you know just to contextualize um yeah. but i think that in a lot of western countries especially you know uh, it's like you know i get it you know people got to pay their rent their bills their expenses but eventually there are options eventually we live in this fast paced world where you can go to you know interview someone who does garage sales and they, you know they resell things and it's very very interesting you know you can actually make a little bit of a side a little side income to sustain yourself or you know to, to help yourself to achieve what you want to achieve and look you were working just as hard as me back as a dishwasher when i was up in bar uh, at at uh, wooden chimney uh, well group train when it started with you um yeah. and it's just um it sucked it really did but we made it work yeah so sure. you know uh, it, it's just i just think that um patience is probably something that got to be mentioned because we live in such a fast paced world you know like every year is a new iphone iphone 12 iphone 13 iphone 13 whatever it's going to be this year um you know um I, I, I think that it's so fast, everything happens immediately. Look at I, you and I are video chatting each other real life, real time. Yeah. Um, but reality is that for you to get to where you are, it took you seven years, not seven yeah. minutes. Yeah, and sure. I think in order to be patient, you gotta enjoy the process. Yeah. No, um, I, but, I, I, con I concur with what you say. And and yeah, I know it's hard. It's it's hard for people to make a choice, especially if you have people that depend on you, you have bills to pay. But I do think you have to make the choice. I mean, I'm not saying like jump out of a bridge and, and leave everything behind. But I am leaving like I am saying that, you know, like you said, you know, make a little keep your job. But, you know, when you get home, instead of watching Netflix, like build your brand. Uh, do a good coffee or paint that uh, painting you want to paint, write that book you want to write. It's just a process for sure. hundred um, percent. Mario, it's been a real treat. This was mostly for us because we know each other. I think that we still added value to the people at home, but I think for me it was, it was special to talk to you also because we haven't seen each other in, I don't know, eight, eight years probably or something along that. Yeah, uh, and 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 uh, it was special. So thank you first and foremost. Before I ask you the last couple of questions, Evelyn asked, um, "Are you from Australia?" Uh, well, I am. Um, as in, uh, I am in the sense of I live here, but I'm originally from Italy. Uh, Mario is has lived in Australia, but is uh, now back in Ecuador. And which coffee do we like the most? Um, and then I can't see the rest of the question because. Colombian or Ecuadorian, I think it says. Oh, yeah, here we go. Well, you can answer that first, but that's easy for you. Well, I actually, I actually love all coffee. My philosophy is uh, coffee gives a lot of people work. I think it's like millions of families. Uh, it's basically a beverage of the world, so I love all coffee. That way, I can't say one is better than the other. But of course, I have Ecuadorian coffee in my heart because I'm from Ecuador. 100%. And I think my answer pretty much is the same. I think that 
And also coffee, the reason why also that question is hard to answer is because coffee has so many variables. So, yeah. you know, how it's being roasted and how it's being brewed with which water, with which method and recipe plays such a huge role in it. So at the same, you know, maybe, you know, that Colombian coffee could have been better than the Ecuadorian, but the Ecuadorian is better because it's been brewed or roasted better. So it's just, it's, it's just a, but I appreciate the question, Rene, thank you. I think, I think it's difficult to answer, but the short answer is I love all coffee that makes me smile. And yeah. it doesn't have to be a fruit bomb. It doesn't have to be anything other than, you know, non bitter, good, enjoyable. And you know what? I had the best coffee the other day because finally we're allowed to have one person per household with the lockdown. And uh, my friend doesn't really drink too much coffee. He just drinks his coffee with milk. And uh, we were just yeah. about to order some dinner. And he said, oh, actually, let's, let's have a coffee. And I was so happy. I took out my B60 and I started making this beautiful coffee. And I was like, putting so much up. And then we enjoyed the coffee together. That was the best. But because of the experience, I forgot what coffee I was drinking almost. Yeah. Anyway. An um, exactly. Mario, we got five minutes left. I just asked you the last question uh, before yeah. I let you go. It's evening there. And thank you so much again. Ultimately, Mario, What's your personal coffee mission? My personal coffee mission. Well, I actually have I have a, a life a, a life mission, like a motto, and I also have a personal mission. Uh, well, my life motto is actually from a book that I read a long time ago. It's called La Vida por un Mundo Mejor, which translates to Life for a Better World. Uh, so what I always do in, in every action, every decision that I make is uh, it has to be uh, towards that goal to make life and the world a little bit better than what I received it. So if I have a child or if I have a student, uh, I will tr try to make a good impression on, on him so we can continue that philosophy to make the world just a little bit better than what we received it. And then as a personal coffee uh, goal, I want to be a, a world-renowned coffee professional. I want to make my country proud, and I want to help people's lives uh, just because it, 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 it mixes with my life motto, which is to make the world a little bit better. I love it. <laughs> it's coffee, wonderful. Coffee is my platform, but my goal is to just... Even if I make one person's life better, then that's enough. I, yeah, I, I, I yeah, you speak my language. I, um, I love what you said, and uh, I'm super happy and proud of you to see how far you've come. I think it's incredible. I think it's just, uh, coffee is made about stories, and your story is just up there with everybody else's. You know, it's like, I, I, I was able, lucky to, to see you again in that kitchen, Melbourne Central on third floor or fourth yeah. or whatever. And, um, and to see that you achieved your dreams is inspiring and it's gonna inspire more and more people. And uh, thank you again for coming on. I hope that we can see each other soon, hopefully in Melbourne, uh, if not somewhere else in the world. Uh, lucky that we've got technology to reach, reach onto another and uh, 
yeah thank you so much man it's been real a real it was um yeah a real treat for myself uh to be able to talk to you again it's uh it's no, incredible for, it's it's, it's almost almost surreal if you think about it it's crazy for sure. no uh, and for me first of all i want to thank you for inviting me uh thank you for for uh, it was for me it was a treat as well i remember when i saw you i was like is that mirko my friend and then i was like well, you used to have a, a shaved head and I used to be like 100 pounds lighter. <laughs> and, and then it's funny, it, it's cool how life, you know, like it always circles back. And, and just to finish, I wanted to thank you. I love the work you're doing. I hope I see you in person. We drink a good cup of coffee anywhere in the world. Uh, if you need anything from Ecuador, not only you, but the people listening, I'm here. Uh, and, and well, one of my personal goals that I usually don't tell people is that I do want to go back to Australia to visit. For me, it's, it would be the end of a cycle. I love that country, and I would love to see you there again, my friend. So thank you for well, having me. I'll come and pick you at the airport with big open arms, and cuidate, uh, and uh, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Thank you, Mirko. We'll be in touch. Take care, man. Please, you too, man. Ciao. Take care. Ciao. Ah, man, that was so nice. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you all for sticking around. I know it's 9 a.m. and it's not uh, the usual time for the podcast, but obviously time zone played a, played a role here. I really appreciate uh, you being here. Uh, but for me, it was just um, another incredibly special episode. This one will be closer to me because even though we mentioned it a few times, I don't think that, you know, maybe the, the kids at the back haven't heard it, but life is amazing. Life is just incredible. Um, this is real life stories. Uh, me and Mario, you know, uh, he used to make coffees, even though it was a dishwasher for the kitchen stuff, you know, and uh, the boys were hoping well, yeah, there was just boys in the kitchen back then. They were like, hey, Mario, we want a latte, a mocha, or not. And Mario would come over. And I remember I was a little bit like, oh, hang on, who is this guy? And then, and then talking and just, um, and then all I knew about Mario was that he was studying engineer in, in Australia. And I just, because I never went to university, I just assumed, okay, well, that's what he's going to do. And then years and years later, because I rarely, use Facebook. I saw him in Trieste doing a coffee course and I was like, hang on a minute, what, what is he doing there in Italy? And um, and then we just uh, reconnected in, on Instagram recently and uh, I, I discovered how amazing he's been doing his career and uh, it's just real a real pleasure to witness such beautiful inspiring story and how he's just committed to his country and his mission. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have and uh, I'll see you next week with more and uh, yeah hope you're well hope you're safe and I'm closing off take care